1: The title of my message is, Are You Catfishing Yourself? Are you catfishing yourself? I'll explain in a little bit. You know, I believe that we are born as originals on this earth, but sadly, many of us die as copies because we're trying to be something we're not to please and appease the people around us, and so we conform. And there's a scripture that says in Romans 12:2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This scripture challenges us. Don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the word. And when we are conformed to the world, I believe it does violence to our souls. It does violence to our families. It does violence to our neighborhoods, our communities, our our nation. And it is all around us. Uh, another way we could ask this is, where did you get your personality from? Why are you the way you are? Where are you transformed by the word, and where are you conformed by the world? You know, I, I grew up in a time where you did not date online. Uh, how many of you guys with me? <laughs> I date myself by saying I didn't date myself with the internet. And anyways, uh, I, I did grow up in a time where there is uh, a new social media platform called Friendster. Has anybody ever heard of Friendster? It was like pre-MySpace. <laughs> Who, will it raise your hand proudly. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you guys have Friendster accounts? So I, I, I created one, and this was revolutionary in the world. You could meet people from all over the world with their profiles and pictures. It was really exciting. And so I created a little community for South Asians like me, and sometimes South Asians are called daisy, have you ever heard that term? And I I created this group called Tasty (laughs) Daisies. And it was all for good looking South Asian people, right? I I was gonna find a spouse, that was the plan. And I hosted a competition every week for the best looking person on the group. I was the only administrator, so I won every single week. Glory to God. They didn't know I was the admin. So I had these weird shirtless pictures of me, pictures of me in Sri Lanka. I was the winner every single week. Well, these awkward guys thought I was the example of what girls liked because I was winning. So people began to steal my pictures and use them as their Friendster profile pictures. They were pretending to be me, but I was me. They were not me. They were catfishing the world. And I believe that many of us are catfishing the world, and we're even catfishing ourselves. We put on other people's pictures of what we think is good or attractive, and we make it seem like that's really us to the point where we try to deceive God and ourselves. Are you wearing a false self? Where did you get your personality? Have you been conformed by the world? Have you been put into a box by the world? Is your language, your personality, your actions, is it because God gave you that or is it because you're trying to be like something you're not? And these are very intense questions to ask ourselves because we can do it on the internet, but we can also do it in our regular face to face lives. You know, I was reminded of the, the classic screwball romantic comedy from 1999 called Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Can I get a good amen? If you thought I'd go through another message without talking about Julia Roberts, you would be mistaken. And in this movie, there is a a girl played by Julia Roberts named Maggie. And there's this guy, Richard Gere. He plays a character named Ike. And he's a reporter sent on a mission to write about this girl who has left several men at the altar running away as the bride. And they're all different kinds of guys. One's like a priest. One's described as a deadhead in the movie, all different hobbies and personality types. And he wanted to interview the different fiancés, the men. And he asked them, what kind of eggs did Maggie like? And they all had a different answer. She likes fried eggs. She likes scrambled eggs. And that was really interesting. And so one day, they get in an argument, Maggie and Ike. And there's this really amazing conversation that happens where she had been emotionally catfishing people. I want to read it. Then Ike, talking about Maggie's past, said, you were so lost, you didn't even know what kind of eggs you liked. With the priest, you want to scramble. With the deadhead, it was fried. Maggie tries to defend herself by saying, that is called changing your mind. To which Ike replied, no, that's not having a mind of your own. She became the people she dated. She lost herself in these relationships. She put on a false self. And it reminds me of this quote. Augustine wrote in Confessions in 8400, How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? He prayed, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. John Calvin in 1530 wrote in his opening of the Institute of the Christian Religion, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and give birth to the other. Knowing ourselves is really important to knowing God. When we are sinners, we are knowing internally that we're in need of a Savior. When we're sick, we know that about ourselves. We know we're in need of a healer. And I believe that God oftentimes reveals himself to us in the way we approach him. When we're hungry, he satisfies us. When when we're thirsty, he quenches us. And it's really, really important that we know ourselves and not just the image the world wants us to carry. So let me ask that question again. Have you been conformed by the world or have you been transformed by the word of God? And if you've put on a false self, if you become something you're not, I can understand why. Because believe it or not, the world, it wants you to be conformed. The world wants you to be conformed. In the book of Samuel, found in the Old Testament of the scriptures, there's the famous story of David versus Goliath. This young shepherd boy from the fields, he is about to fight a nine-foot giant who's mocking the armies of God, the Israeli military. They're in this valley, and he is just mocking the military, and they're all scared until this young shepherd boy comes. He is the only one who steps up to fight, but when he begins the fight, when he begins the battle, he is tempted by three different entities to conform to a style of fighting, to a style of who he is that is not him. In fact, it's a false self. And the first temptation that David experiences is to be conformed by family. In chapter 17 of 1 Samuel in verse 28, it says But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. Look how the brother tries to define who David is, a prideful and deceitful person. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied? I was only asking a question. So this is after David asked, what happens to the person who kills Goliath? What reward is there? And then he's confronted by his brother. I know you're a prideful person. I know you're a deceitful person. Why aren't you taking care of the few sheep? That's where you belong. That's your role. That's your responsibility. And David, while something inside of him is saying, fight the giant, his family's trying to say, hey, your motives are wrong. You shouldn't be here. You need to go back to where you came from. Have you ever experienced that in your family? Where your family tries to get you to conform into a, a box or a personality, maybe it's in compar- comparison to your siblings, or maybe you're trying to please your parents, and maybe you went on this job career course, or, and when you're really passionate about this, or uh, maybe there is some temptation to be something that you weren't. I mean, in my life, uh, I grew up in a Hindu refugee family. They had these expectations of me. You hear the joke with a lot of South Asians that they become doctors or engineers. If you know me, I am not a doctor or an engineer. I'm not a man of math or science. I don't really track with a lot of those things. And uh, I had these temptations and these pressures to become something I wasn't. First time I went to Sri Lanka, I was 19 years old. And it was like a rite of passage for me. I met my family, many members for the very first time, all of them were Hindu. I was in Bible school at the time. I showed up to my family member's household. I'm wearing this golden cross as a necklace. And my family says, what are you doing wearing that cross? And I said, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be a pastor. This is what God is calling me to do. And with like anger and conviction, this one person said to me, you are not a Christian. You were born Hindu. You will die a Hindu. That's who you are. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to let the expectations and the box of my family to define who I am and what God is calling me to do? And I had to make a decision. I will follow Jesus Christ, even if it means my family doesn't approve, even if it means they don't understand I'm going all in with my faith. I'm going all in. He is the Lord of my life. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've had other family members, as I started to become a pastor, words spoken over me like, how dare you become a pastor? I've seen your sin. I've seen your faults. I've seen how you act behind closed doors. Do you think God would ever use someone like you? No way. And I just said, I am not perfect. I am a sinner saved by grace. But I believe God has called me to walk out and step out in faith to do something that I can't do but my might and my own strength, but by the Spirit of God. And David was faced with this temptation to be conformed by his family. The second thing he was tempted was by, to be conformed by his nation. In 1 Samuel 17, 38, it says, Then Saul gave David... His own armor. Now, Saul was the king of all of Israel, and he gives him armor. He gives him a plan to fight in the way all the military was trained. But Saul gave David his own armor a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine, the giant. He was given this very heavy armor, and he was a shepherd. He was used to traveling lightly. He fought and defeated a lion. He fought and defeated... A bear. And he used a slingshot. He was agile. He was mobile. He was able to navigate around it. But here the king says, this is how the military fights. This is how the people of our nation fight. And puts on heavy armor. And it didn't fit, so he threw it off. I believe that our nation, our politics, the influencers of our age, sometimes we think we have to be like them, in order to be effective. We have to be like this political party. We have to be like this commentator. We have to be like this person. And we end up wearing armor that doesn't fit. Let me ask you this question today. Are you wearing an armor that doesn't just quite fit? A lot of times we see people and we think that's what success looks like. That's what being attractive looks like. That's what being healthy looks like. That's what being talented looks like. And we put on that armor, and we judge ourselves by the behind the scenes, but judge others by their social media highlight reels, and it's like, we just don't fit. I I could be a great version of me, or I could be a horrible version of someone else. And I believe God doesn't want to bless the pretend version of you. And that's why it's such a tragedy when we're born originals, but we die copies. You know, our, our nation, our politics, they have an agenda for us. Your political party, they want you to think a certain way. They want you to believe a certain way. The social media influencers you participate in, they want you to think and believe and buy a certain way. There is an agenda for you to conform and be conformed into a certain box. And I face this pressure all the time, even as a pastor. I bet if I said a statement like this, I could get everybody to lean in and be very interested. If I said, hey, today, I want to tell you my thoughts on President Biden. And you're all like, oh, my goodness. Let me see if I respect this pastor anymore. Let me see if this is a person of character one statement, and you would cut me off from your life, yeah. in your heart. Yeah. And, and we wonder why people feel so isolated. It's because we say, hey, we want to be inclusive of all people. We want to be tolerant of all things until it's something we don't like. We're tolerant of everything but intolerance. And we cut people off unless they fit in the box. We cut people off unless they believe like We do. And we're taught this as a culture. Cut off, cancel people that don't think, believe, vote, by like you. And that is you being a product of the culture and a two-party system that buys your attention by facilitating conflict. When as the people of God... We are called to love one another as Jesus Christ loves us. And by that, the world will know we are disciples. But the fact is, the world doesn't know we're disciples because we don't love one another. We're conformed by nation. And I just want to say, you are more than a political party. You're more than your nationality. You are a citizen of the greatest kingdom that has ever existed. You are a citizen of heaven. The nations will pass away, but the word and the king of kings, they will last forever. And we will be under his leadership forever. Above all, we are part of a theocracy. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Jesus is king. But my thoughts on Biden. Just (laughs) kidding. Another thing... David is tempted by, is to be conformed by his enemies. In 1 Samuel 17, 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And so Goliath is an enemy, and he is belittling David's weaponry. Is this just a a little stick? Am I a dog that you've come to discipline me with that that horrible weapon? And uh, we have voices in our heads that are constantly belittling us, right? You deal with that? Demeaning you? Anybody here struggle with imposter syndrome? Where you're like, if people at my work found out how, like, not really capable I am. They would not respect me. If I my family really understood what I was thinking, if my friends really knew. And then we have these voices telling us we're failures. We're horrible, we're not going to make it, we're just going to die, we're going to end up like the rest of our family, we're going to mess up like this person, it's just a matter of time before people find out the real us and we're just a disappointment that we will never defeat the enemies, that this financial situation, this health situation, this popularity situation, this future, it's just all going to end in death and destruction, so why even try these voices of discouragement? try to put us in this box of fear and doubt and self-loathing, and we're afraid to dream, we're afraid to have faith, we're afraid to believe that maybe God has good plans for us, and we sit in this box. You know, we we face that all the time. I mean, we get crazy messages, even as pastors. I was just telling Pastor Amita, I just received a very disturbing email sent to uh, my account about me being a pastor and all uh, just very mean things. Some of you track along with the Facebook comments we get on our Facebook advertisements. I mean, I've been told the weirdest things, the weirdest attacks, like people have told me I'm too white. I'm like, that's such a weird attack. I don't even know how to conform into your box. Hey, I'll never go to your church because you're too white. I'm like, what? what have you seen my friendster account like I'm the, I'm the undefeated champion of tasty daisy are you serious there's all this pressure to be something that we're not and it's not just in a, a julia roberts film it's in our life many of us have these false selves because we're just trying to survive we're trying to cope we're trying to be accepted and I believe that it does take a toll on our soul. And, and when I, I look at the life of Jesus, I am encouraged, though, because he had the same temptations as any of us. But I, I want to do a little bit of a diagnostic time and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate maybe some of these things. So why don't you look at this list and see if you have some symptoms of carrying a false self? And these are found in the book. I say yes when I really mean no. I get depressed when people are upset with me. I have a need to be approved by others to feel good about myself. I I act nice on the outside, but inside I can't stand you. I often remain silent to keep the peace. I believe that if I make mistakes, I myself am a failure. I avoid looking weak or foolish for not having the answer. I criticize others to feel better about myself. I have to be doing something exceptional to feel alive. I have to be needed to feel alive. I am fearful and can't take risks. I do what others want so they don't get mad at me. I use knowledge and competency to cover my feelings of inadequacy. I want my children to behave well so others think I am a good parent. I compare myself a lot to other people. It's convicting, isn't it? It's powerful. It's illuminating. But I believe this is beautiful as we go on a, a journey to become whole people, integrated in every single parts of our lives. But I think many of us, even right now, might be realizing that our, our false self is a big part of who we are. Our posturing, our manipulation, our self-indulgence, our self promotion, our possessiveness, our jealousy, our anger, our apathy, maybe it's all built into our our false self. And this is why at times it it might seem I'm coming down really hard on this idea of self-care, because I I really believe a lot of the self-care that we have adopted is simply feeding our false self. We'll, We'll binge watch like all these shows as a way to distract ourselves into oblivion so we don't have to focus on the emptiness of our souls. We, we don't go to counseling, but we'll, we'll go on a, a drinking night just so that we don't have to confront our emotions and come face to face with our false self. We're afraid to sit in the car without music on because then we hear those voices and we have to bring them to God. We're afraid to journal because uh, I'm afraid of my own thoughts and what's really going on in my heart. I'm afraid to pray real prayers and so we posture ourselves and we pretend to be something to God when he knows who we really are and he wants us to be who we really are. And Jesus was tempted with these same things. And here's a revelation. Maybe this is a new concept for some of us today. But Jesus, he disappointed a lot of people. He did. Think about it. He came into this world. This is the savior of the world. All the Old Testament prophecies come. And here he is, a a, a baby in a manger meant for animals. A feeding trough meant for animals. He is the son of a carpenter, but he doesn't become a carpenter with the whole of his life disappointment to his family. So many times, where's my kid? My kid is lost. Little boy Jesus, I'm at the temple. I'm going to do my father's business over my family's business, my earthly family's business. They wanted him to be a a political revolutionary. See, the Romans had occupied Israel. The Jewish people could not make their own political decisions. They were longing and praying for someone who would finally right the government, make things as it should be. And here comes Jesus, And he's talking in spiritual terms. He's not giving them the the war and the weaponry that they long for. They try to make him a political king, and it says that Jesus hides away and escapes the crowds. What a disappointment. Jesus didn't heal everybody he encountered. Isn't that crazy? I mean, even us today, many of us are disappointed in Jesus. Jesus, why aren't you doing the things that I want when I want? But Jesus was willing to follow his calling and be who he's always meant to be instead of pleasing the masses and the crowds. Jesus realized that saying yes to his heavenly father meant saying no to all the other voices. Jesus rather be hated because of who he was rather than loved for who he wasn't. And that is the challenge I have for all of us today. Would you have the courage to shed off your false self, embrace your authentic self, and be loved for who you are rather for who you aren't? And that takes a lot, a lot of courage. I know that I'm a disappointment to a lot of people. It becomes very evident when you become a pastor. No matter what decision you make, a lot of people are going to be upset with you. When I take this platform and I say, I don't like Chick-fil-A. I've said this a lot, but I feel the hatred. I feel the, the temptation pretty even fit in this box. Betray who you are. Submit to me. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to follow the king. The Burger King. And all God's people said. I even feel it for my wife. My wife loves Chick-fil-A. But I will love God. So do my kids. But I will serve God. As the king serves me. Fries. Let's get off of this voice. I don't want to preach like this anymore. I don't know what this voice is. This is my false self. But Jesus was okay with disappointing people. (laughs) This is my false self. (laughs) You don't have to say thank you. All right. (laughs) I'm so distracted right now. Jesus was able to do something called differentiation. Let me read about it. Differentiation involves the ability to hold on to who you are and who you are not. The degree to which you are able to affirm your distinct values and goals apart from the pressures around you, separateness, while remaining close to people important to you, togetherness, helps determine your level of differentiation. In other words, I may not agree with you or you with me, yet I can remain in a relationship with you. I don't have to detach from you, reject you, avoid you, or criticize you to validate myself. I can be myself apart from you. And that's the lesson Julia Roberts learned, and the lesson I hope we learned today. But differentiation, it says, I, I can be in community, but I can still be my own person. And in fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, hey, to those who can't be alone, be aware of being in community. And, and for those who can't be in community, be aware of being alone. Because we, we need to be this community of solitudes where we have our own relationship with God, but we can work together in unity. And it's so beautiful. Jesus will get alone with his heavenly father, receiving identity, vision, assignment, mission, but then he was also with his disciples and crowds and multitudes. He was never fully alone and never fully together. He was always both at the same time time. And I think this is something we're called to do. And as we're trying to figure out who we are, you need to realize if you want to know who you are, you first got to understand whose you are. And the one who created you defines you and gives you purpose and identity. I love this quote, only the love of God in Christ is capable of bearing the weight of our true identity. God has shaped, it, shaped and crafted us internally with a unique personality, thoughts, dreams, temperament, feelings, talents, gifts, and desires. He has planted true seeds of self inside of us. They make up the authentic us. And so today, I want you to become who you are instead of what people think you should be. Will you allow God to introduce you to you? Will you? And you will get that by taking time to pray, even fasting, separating from the world, moments with God, letting him speak identity to you. Will you allow God to introduce you to you, Because he knows who you are even before you were born. He created you on purpose, with a purpose, with an identity. He loves you as you are, not as who you or the world thinks you should be. Can I get a good amen? And so this is so important. Amen, me. <laughs> this is so important. And uh, I just want to close with this story. <laughs> <It> startled me. <laughs> you startled me. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I just want to close with this story. You know, at, since we've been talking about my friend Sir South Asian journey, you know, up until I was about 14 years old, I went by the name Ben. All right? My full name is Pradeep and Jeevan in right now. But try saying that in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, over and over and over. And so people would say, hey, do you got something easier? I don't want to embrace your true name, I don't want to embrace your true self. So begin a journey of me saying, all right, to please these people. In Minnesota. I'm going to be someone I'm not. I'm going to take a name that my parents didn't give me. And so I just started going by Ben. Anybody here have a, a an American name, something maybe you receive? Am I the only one? And uh, you have these names just because it, it gets old explaining who you really are to people. And so you, get, you give people what they want. So instead of being this long name, I was just simply Ben. And then I, I started to going to church and hearing about the gospel and hearing that I could have my own relationship with God. And so I I began to do what the scripture said and started to pray in my prayer closet. I would get in there and just listen to God and hear his voice, and he would say very simple things like, I love you, or I have a plan for you. But then he he began to speak identity into me, like "You're, you're an overcomer. I love you. This is who you are. And it was during this journey of becoming a Christian, I started to say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to go by Ben anymore. My name, my name is Pradeepan, Pradeepan G. Sivaretnam, and I, I started to embrace that, and it was awkward. I began to reintroduce myself to, to friends, but it was the beginning of me saying, hey, I, I, I never felt fully American. I never felt fully Sri Lankan, but I'm just, I'm going to be who God has called me to be, believing that I have worth, not because of my popularity. I have worth not because of my performance. I have worth not because of possessions, but because God says I am worthy. And this is the gospel. And I believe that God has a new name for every single one of you. In Revelation 2.17, I love the scripture. Maybe you've never heard this before, but it says that Jesus has a brand new name for you that only he knows. If you have ears, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. This is in the last book of the Bible. To everyone who wins the victory, I will give some of the hidden food. I will also give each one a white stone with a new name written on it. No one will know that name except the one who is given the stone. And so that's crazy. In eternity, as we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb, As we get to say we are more than conquerors, we are victorious, we're going to each be handed a white stone with a brand new name that only Jesus knows. If we want to know our true identity, we need to know Jesus. He's going to speak it to us. He's going to proclaim it over us. When people try to get us conformed into these different boxes or false selves, Jesus says, be who you are. And aren't we all on that journey to become who we are already in Christ? Because at the end of the age, you will not be judged by if you are a good Moses from the scriptures. You will not be judged on whether you are Pastor Amrita. You're going to be judged were you the best you that God called you to be. That's how he's going to see it. And so at the end of the day, we'll say, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith because I was able to do and be everything you wanted, God. And so I submit my entire life to you. And I choose this day, and I hope that this is our prayer, that we would choose this day to shed off our false self and embrace our authentic self in Christ, who's with me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time we <laughs>